0: Ukrainians Identity and Dignity Podcast is on the air. Within the last few months, the world has enveiled Ukrainians as a nation of courageous and indomitable people who relentlessly struggle for their freedom. We showed our enemy what they should expect if they jeopardize our dignity, a core value of Ukrainians. A lot of people worldwide now follow the news from Ukrainian hotspots, but we believe that without understanding our identity and the circumstances that form us, the world won't be able to understand us enough, it will limit the prospects of support and cooperation. So what makes us who we are? What is the bottom line of the Ukrainian people's dignity? In this podcast we will tell you about the milestones, which form our identity and make us a part of the European community. And today we present to you our second episode of rubric War Explained. Here we are going to reflect on the narrative, not all Russians. Why is it crucial to relinquish the idea that ordinary Russian people are not to blame? Is there a line between good and bad Russian? Let's begin our discussion. The first rays of summer are glistening outside the window, Ukrainians still live in February, though. It's because the full-scale invasion of Russia in Ukraine has been going on for over three months. At the same time, the Russians on the other relatively chilly corner of Europe, Don't hesitate to spread narratives about ordinary Russian people, who are just minor and inferior compared to authorities, and they can't resolve anything. So today our point of departure is addressing the issue of whether the ordinary Russians are to blame for the ongoing war. Are they? Let's complete the puzzle and try to figure it out. The Russian government has been long pursuing an aggressive foreign policy and allowing itself to impose its own interest on other countries, cementing and fueling it with masterful, compelling propaganda. The list implies Belarus, Kazakhstan, Armenia, Moldova, Hungary and others. The population accepted these moves of the Kremlin, and now little has changed. Recent research of the Vada Center has shown that as of March 2022, 83% of Russians are satisfied with Putin's policies.
1: I believe in our president, and I think that the current situation should remain as it is presently.
0: And here is the sentiment of a Russian citizen who was asked about the attitude towards the special military operation unfolding in Ukraine. (laughs)
1: Positively. I think that even though the pace is a bit slow, but it is clear that there are circumstances. The most important thing is not to stop, because we need to go on to take over Poland and the whole Baltics.
0: So, while EU citizens try to find excuses for the Russian society, saying the people are discriminated by the imposed sanctions... Sociology claims that 86.6% of Russians welcome a potential attack by Russia on the EU. Not only Ukraine must belong to Russia, but also Poland and Baltic countries. Now how can we claim Russians are out of politics? How can they not be embroiled in the conflicts and wars unleashed by their country? not to tar you with the abundance of stats, we'll let our story unfurl from another perspective. As we have reviewed evidence suggesting Putin gets all the support, it can be inferred that it's not just one person to blame for all the crimes, but the entire mechanism. Putin represents Russia, Why can we regard Putin as a product of a Russian society? Firstly, to be out of politics and to do nothing is also a choice. Russians tolerate their crimes and corrupted system, and it's their choice throughout the years to approve the regime and make Putin legitimate by their consent. Earlier, we have implied some stats to prove it. Secondly, Putin is not a mere part of a Russian society, it's a product that meets the demands of this society. Russians are in urgent need of Russian greatness reconstruction, and Putin provides the feelings of greatness by collecting so-called originally Russian territories. Like every imperialistic society, Russians seek for greatness and power over other nations and states, and Putin offers this greatness through absorbing and appropriation of other cultures.
1: We value our unique heritage in all its diversity. I have said many times, this is the greatness and strength of Russia. In diversity, traditions, customs, the language of every nation, every ethnic group is an absolutely priceless wealth of Russia, and our common duty is to preserve it and develop it.
0: Any power comes from the people. Putin is in power because Russians granted this power to him. They granted this power to him because their desires match with Putin's political program. Not Putin and even not Russian military commanders gave the orders to rape children, torture and kill Ukrainians with extreme cruelty. That's all Russians. Security Service of Ukraine has a lot of the tapes that confirm killings of civilians by the Russian occupiers. This is a story of Russian invader who boasts to his wife with his cruel deeds.
1: We clean off basements. Do you know how? We do not ask who is there, but we throw grenades inside and we don't give a f. We have a squad called the suicide squad, the thug squad, and I'm doing a lot. F- everyone. I don't give a f at all. Civilians, non civilians. I can just take a knife, cut off the ears. The guys told me that they cut a woman, cut off her tongue so that she couldn't speak and f- and killed her.
0: Another story is about Russian soldier and his wife, who asked him to rape Ukrainian women.
1: Rape Ukrainian women and don't tell me anything. Understood? But the main thing is that you should use condoms.
0: Putin didn't tell Russian soldiers to do any of these inhuman things. On the other hand, good Russians who don't desire to grab entire Ukraine and conquer the world, don't seem to be this good. Instead of facing responsibility and triggering civil uprising, they reproach others for discrimination, racism and ill-treatment. They complain that their kids can't use PayPal whereas 263 innocent Ukrainian kids can't even experience their carefree childhood, as they have been cruelly murdered by Russians. Let's look at the narrative not all Russians more profoundly. Marina Ovsiannikova, now a well-known activist for human rights, appeared on the air of the Russian Federal Channel with the poster No to War. Afterwards, she calmly left Russia and started working for the German journal Die Welt. Being safe and protected, she whitewashes Russians and condemns anti-Russian sanctions, arguing that the blame is confined to Putin only. Masterful tactic to escape the fact that she had been working more than eight years on refined Russian propaganda. Isn't it? What's the purpose of not all Russian rhetoric? To divert attention from the war in Ukraine, from the killings and atrocities of Russian troops against Ukrainian civilians. And the manipulation of replacing the aggressor with a victim only helps Russia to enhance the sympathy towards ordinary Russians. It implies lightening of economic pressure on Russia, paying for gas in rubles, returning companies on the Russian market and regaining international recognition. But does a terrorist state have a right to gain recognition and seek reconciliation? Well, not that way. And when it comes to people who tolerate the reign of such a state, can they not be blamed? Hopefully you've got the point. And until the reign of Russia is shielded by the majority of Russians, the war is not over. The actual war, the informational war, the war of two different worlds, democratic and autocratic. Therefore, right now there is no urgent need to search so-called good Russians, as the only people who can be considered good are the ones who fight for their freedom and dignity. So, these are Ukrainians, and those who support them on their path of resisting evil. Let us announce that in our following episode we are going to go through the concept of collective responsibility and how to apply it to the war in Ukraine. So wait for it. Glory to Ukraine!